in the metaverse. Oh, this is pretty neat. What? Yes. Hey, welcome. Welcome to, I guess they named it Jack's Lo-Fi Scene. I'm not sure. I didn't come up with that. I'm not sure how I have it, but welcome. Welcome to the metaverse. So we're going to have another trippy LinkedIn Live today. And this is in a very, this is in a really interesting space. So for today, um, not only do I want to invite you to my new abode, my new office, uh, but we're going to talk about the sal salary, uh, this New York salary transparency rule that was put into place, but then all of a sudden it's, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be doing that. So all of a sudden it looks like they've got it. So maybe Christine, maybe you want to talk, tell a little bit about what's, what was going on with this whole New York you know, salary uh, transparency law that came into place and sure. now it might be gutted. Okay. Originally, businesses with four or more employees were to disclose a good faith minimum and maximum salary range on job ads. And this was intended to advance pay equity. Um, it was slated to, the deadline was May 15th. Now that there are being uh, changes being implemented that would exclude businesses with fewer than 15 employees, and it would exempt roles not performed in New York City, i.e. remote positions. And it would allow for companies to post generic job ads that don't specify a position, which would get them out of having to include a salary range on the job ad. And again, the bill was supposed to be for May 15th, and now it would be pushed to November 1st for implementation. So this is what's, what I don't understand is this. They came up with this law, and the law is in also in California, Colorado, some other places where they're saying... If, if and when you post a job ad, the job ad should have the salary range. So the salary might be, hey, we're looking, I recruit for compliance. So it might be looking, we're looking for a sanctions compliance officer, you know, at a major investment bank in New York. And the salary range is going to be anywhere from 100, and, let's say 150 to 200 plus bonus and other benefits and remuneration. And this way, when someone looks at a job description, they see the range and then they can make an intelligent decision. Huh, this seems like a fair range. I'm going to submit my resume and I'm willing to go and uh, go through the interview process. And anybody who's been through an interview process recently, you know, it's not easy. You're probably going to meet with three to six to seven to 10 people over, gosh, it could be anywhere from a month to six months. And in between you get ghosted, you don't get feedback. Maybe they ask you to work on projects. So it's a, it's a big undertaking. And for this new salary law, one of the cool things to me was this, it levels the playing field. So when you see the job description, you don't have to guess, because this is how it is now. You have to guess, because they don't generally put the comp. So you have to guess, maybe it seems like it'll be a fit. You send your resume, you have an interview or two, but now you're taking all this time out of your day and you're not sure, is, is this, is this going to work out at the end? You know, are they going to pay me what I want to pay? And oftentimes what happens, somebody goes through the whole interview process and then you find out they make an offer that's kind of less than what you're making now, or maybe a smidgen higher. So you just wasted your time, the company's time, everybody who's interviews time. And it seems like, why were we doing this? This doesn't make any sense. 
with the transparency law, it would kind of level that playing field. Mike, as a recruiter, right? Have you seen that with, with, with job descriptions where they'll put it out there and it's a guessing game, right? Yes, uh, I, I mean, absolutely. Every once in a while, you know, someone may post a, you know, a price or a range, uh, things like that. Um, of late, as you were saying, uh, a couple of states in the U.S. now have uh, these laws in effect. So uh, I will notice, you know, Denver, um, you know, I, I believe uh, California has some degree, but you have to ask for it when they tell you. So, but traditionally it's, you know, as we've all worked for, for years in the past, it's just uh, you judge by what the title level of the job is or the experience, you know, somewhere it would say five years, 10 years. And uh, it did waste a lot of time guessing games, things like that. Uh, as a recruiter, we always try to know. So when we're talking to candidates, uh, you know, we try to get comp from, uh, or at least a comp preferred range from our clients. And it's been shared that way. But this is a totally new concept that will have a lot of ramifications, um, mainly for the firms. Yeah, it's so. So it seemed like it was a good, I you know, to me, I thought it was a really nice idea. So that it levels the playing field when you're interviewing for a job, you get a sense of what what it's going to pay. Now, granted, it might have a big range, <laughs> but at least you know it's worthwhile for me to take my time. Also. An unintended consequence of that would be this. If let's say, let's just take Wall Street. So let's say Morgan Stanley places an ad for a, uh, let's use the same exact example, sanctions. And we're all familiar with the term now because we're putting sanctions on Russia and the oligarchs from Russia and Putin, Putin's family and so forth. So we're kind of familiar with that, that we're able to say, hey, we're as a bank are not gonna do business with Putin or, or you know, Russian companies and oligarchs. So let's say Morgan Stanley posts a job for someone with five years experience or five to 10 years experience and they give a salary range. Now what happens is this, both the people who work at Morgan Stanley you know, could have access and see the job description and people at other companies can see it. So not only is it transparent for the individual who's going for a job, it's transparent for both the company that posted the job, so anybody could look at it, and everyone else too. So now you have a sense of, let's say you're at Citigroup, or you're at Goldman Sachs, or you're at Deutsche Bank, or Barclays, or Credit Suisse, and you see that salary range, either you can say, wow, they're paying a lot of money, maybe I should go to Morgan Stanley. Or they may say, huh, I'm getting paid way more, I'll just keep quiet, because I'm getting a good deal. It seems like maybe I'm paid pretty nicely, so that's cool. Or I'm not, wait, I, I'm looking at that job description and I'm working at Morgan and that's not fair. I've been doing this more years. I've been a loyal employee for the last 10 years and this person is gonna get a salary of more than me. What the heck is going on here? Am I being discriminated against? Is there a bias against me? Is it what you call, I don't know if you've heard this term, a loyalty discount. You know, sometimes when you have a loyal employee that's been, let's say, at a place for 20 years or 10 years or 15, and they only get, you know, a couple of percentage rate uh, increases each year, but then somebody else who moves every couple of years and gets a 10%, 15% increase in terms of their base salary every few years, their salary could be much higher. So I wonder, Christine, is it, is it, Partly this, 
that initially when they came out with this salary law, they were very optimistic, shall I say, in feeling that, oh, this is very fair, particularly where there's always been talk about, you know, there, there's a pay disparity between women and men. And oh, by making salaries open, it could kind of show if there's that gap. And if so, there's a gap to say, hey, now we have evidence and data that we can make these changes. So it seems with the best of intentions, they put this law in. But I wonder, Christine, if, if once they thought it through, they said, wait a minute, this could open up a hornet's nest of people. Now that everyone knows what salaries are, you're going to have a lot of angry people demanding more money and salary inflation. Do you think, Christine, that was like one of the reasons maybe? Exactly. And to give context on why a law like this is so desperately needed for every dollar earned by a white man, not attacking white men, these are just the statistics, uh, white women earn 84 cents to that dollar, Asian women 63 cents, Black women 55 cents, and Hispanic women 46 cents. So uh, this transparency law would have helped to narrow that gap. And it was just so, so needed. And raising the minimum size to 15 workers from four would run contrast to existing New York anti-discriminatory rules, which currently apply to businesses with four or more people. So now it's like, could other laws now be walked back that that start at four employees or more? And these wait, changes- wait, I don't mean to interrupt. Just can you say that? Because that sounds really important, but I'm not sure if I understood it. Does that mean because they changed the amount of people in this law that if you, in a smaller firm, you could discriminate against people? Like every other law, anti-discriminatory law in New York City right now, the minimum was always four. But then now for this new legislation, they're like, oh, let's make it 15. So now all the other prior existing um, legislations, now could those be walked back to, to be up to 15 instead of four? And a f four workers to 15 sounds like a very minimal difference. But when you learn that between four and 15 uh, employees, there's 58,000 companies that fall within that range. And this is New York, just, and yeah, this is, this New, is York, right? just okay. New York. And they, they collectively employ 500,000 people. So that would be 500,000 people that would be exempt from being protected by this transparency law. Hmm. And, and is that maybe why they did it? Because they were, this is, we're talking about large numbers here. Those, those are, I mean, 500,000 is a significant number. And do you think it has something to do? Because didn't Eric Adams, the new mayor, kind of kind of lead a push to get people back to the office? Could it be like Adams is really behind all this? I think so. New York City lost billions of dollars during the pandemic in tax revenue. And I think that the city doesn't want to risk losing more by not being seen as business friendly because this law is getting a lot of pushback from major businesses, including Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan Chase. They don't want uh, businesses to like pick up and leave. And Eric Adams has been campaigning really hard for businesses to return to the office and bringing employees back to start generating revenue again for the city. And let's not forget like Miami has become like a magnet for like a booming FinTech or just like tech in general ecosystem, which is giving New York a big run for its money. You know, you know, it's interesting when, when you're talking about the, the change in the thresholds and the reason why um, 
large firms, big bulge bracket, Wall Street firms. Right, wait, wait, Mike, I don't mean to, I'm trying to find you oh, here. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> there you go. He's you know, Mike, is, Mike is with the green shirt. <laughs> let me okay. look for you. Wait. Ooh. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yes. Okay. Hey, Mike. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> um, okay. So, so here's what I'm thinking. So, for the, the, the large firms that, you know, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of employees, whether the change is made from four to 15 or not, all those large firms are still going to have to abide by the law, right? So I'm wondering, what was the reason for the lobbying? Why do smaller firms, 14 employees or less, want to not have the law? Um, you know, or, or why do they want to be exempt? I would think, you know, if you're uh, a, a five-person, you know, sneaker store or something, and you advertise your, your, your compensation for, you know, a floor salesman, I would think that company could entice employees by letting everyone know that we pay higher. You follow? What do you think, Christine? Why? I think, think small that? businesses don't have established pay ceilings. They kind of just pay what they can afford based on people's experience. And small businesses would be outbid by larger competitors. Uh -huh. Let's say if there's like a footlocker or something, which employs more than like four people, they would outbid the the small sneaker company that you're referring to and then you get something called uh, salary inflation i think they were worried about right yeah they're worried that people especially current employees will see um that companies are offering like inflated wages to kind of draw workers during this labor shortage and companies are starting to also uh, like form the narrative around um like, oh, you might see inflated wages because we're trying to bring in more diversity so that like if you're a current employee, you can't be mad that uh, a, a salary is posted for a higher wage because, oh, it'll go to a diversity candidate. So I can't be pissed that I'm not being paid enough. Speaking of that, so who, so it seems that the council members were the ones who are going along with this and and gutting this this new law now who who are the are they are they democrats are they republicans men women who's who are the, who's on the council doing this surprisingly it's progressive a majority of, of women but the, the a lot of the pushback has been from like the local chamber of commerce and um business groups that represent like the large companies in new york city one particular was partnership for nyc that kind of wrote in letters to the council they also feel like they weren't given enough input on this legislation they said that it felt uh rushed <laughs> was it rushed or is like when they looked and go wait a minute that's think, not good for us i don't like yeah, this it's exactly <laughs> that and then they they claim to be i think their major concern is the the um, worker outcry for like the current employees and what that will mean for these businesses. I think they're gonna, they realize that they're gonna have to start paying more and that like what the jobs are actually worth. And I think that's what's scaring these companies. Yeah, it, I agree. It makes sense because I, I could see how that could play out in real time where, you know, you see, you know, as we talked about earlier, you see a job posting, you see how much they're paid and you realize, wait a minute, I'm not getting that. And it could be someone from another company saying, hey, look how much that company's paying. You should pay us more. Or you could feel, hey, I'm getting ripped off. 
why am I not getting paid? I'm getting, you know, maybe you're discriminating against me because of whatever reasons. And maybe they're scared of opening up just, just this, this, this potentially maybe big class action lawsuits. Because imagine if they find out that certain groups have been historically underpaid. Whenever, because it's only natural. If, if, you, if we're all sitting here like in, our, in our room here and you, you hear about this job posting and you see the numbers on it, you know, it's very easy to start kind of thinking, huh, wait, what are you getting? Because we're all, let's say we're all in the same, we're all in compliance, we're all doing sanctions. Like, all right, this is awkward, but what are you getting? What, are, you know, how, here's what I'm getting. And then you could see the disparity and that could cause a lot of trouble, a lot of issues, right? Yeah, and these companies are saying like, oh no, it's only higher because of the, the labor shortage. So we kind of had to up the price. That way it doesn't piss off current uh, employees. Yeah, but I think calling employees, you know, they'll be like, this isn't fair. <laughs> like, you know, like, what? You're hiring this new person who's making, you know, 10 times what I'm making, or just even, you know, you know 10,000 more that I'm working. Why is that? You know, that's yeah. not fair. Because then I wonder, would companies, because check this out, this could be something, but they're not going to talk about it. Where, because it's a hot job market, and, you know, perhaps they have to pay a larger premium to bring people aboard. It's, it, you know, people who are coming in maybe are going to be overpaid at times so that those who are in the company will say, wait a minute, if Jack Kelly is coming in and you're giving him a hundred thousand and I'm only making 80 and I've been doing this longer than he has, I should get 110 and I'm going to go in and demand 110 and then multiply that by everybody else in the company. And that could be, that could be a nightmare, right? For executives and leadership and chief people officers where everybody's coming in demanding, hey, I want this money too. Do you think that's that's something that's part of it? That's exactly what they're afraid of. Wow. This gets deep, right? So what do you think is gonna happen? Do you think the public will say, wait a minute, hey, my you know, my representative, you know, get in touch with their representative, like I we don't want you to gut this. We we want this new law. Do you think that could happen? It, it's it's hard to say because this leaves so many loopholes open. Like especially for the exempt for roles not performed, will we see um, New York City based uh, companies now post a lot more remote positions to kind of get around having to disclose um, like a salary range? Oh wait wait, can you run that by? So so there's a caveat there. Wait, so. Yep, within... they want a remote positions basically to be exempt because the work isn't being performed in New York City. So then this could prompt a lot of companies to just like outsource it to people in other states so that they don't have to ever post the salary range for that role. So they're looking for every way to kind of skirt around it. Isn't there something, I think you were just saying, when we were talking beforehand about, it, isn't there like a, there's another thing that they're trying to kind of play the system to? Well, I, I think if I may, I think that um, two things about that. Yeah, they could say they don't, if they don't identify that this is a bank teller job, but they might say, hey, working on the floor of a retail bank. So they don't specify the job, then they don't have to put the salary. But if you're a customer <laughs> service rep, you know, a specific title and function, you have to put this out. And so, so, so if there's just, so I understand, so if there's a job posting, right, and mm -hmm. they'll just be like the very, 
it used to happen in the past, but I haven't seen this in a long time where it's just this like, hey, we're hiring or we're hiring. And let's just use the example we're talking about compliance. We're hiring for compliance. Exactly. Help wanted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you don't have to put any salary at all because you just say, exactly. hey, we will. Oh yeah, my so, like I think there's gray areas. Like if they were to say, well, we're hiring for compliance, that's not, there's so many different jobs within. So it's still general. Maybe they could get away with not having to do it. Um, yeah. Cause then people would maybe just submit their resumes and then the HR then would put those people where yeah. the open jobs are. Right. And just what, to build one, the pipeline. Yeah. What, one thing about the remote um, exemption though, it's interesting because um. It, I find, and I think most, Jack, you probably agree, most of the remote jobs that we see are, they say remote, but it's like a mix or a hybrid, on-site and remote. Now, I wonder if this law, and if they're going to hold companies to the law, if you're going to get the exemption by saying it's a remote job, I would think that would mean it has to be a 100% remote job, not a hybrid. So, you know, that, that might have, that might cause companies to offer more completely remote roles, perhaps? That could be positive. Yeah. So for people who aren't remote, they would, so what you're saying is people who aren't remote, that could be a benefit. Right, right. Right, because um, that law could actually help them because like, okay, yeah, that's cool. I'm down for that. I want to work yeah. remote. And, and more remote job sounds great until you realize that it's only being offered out of gross <laughs> intentions. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, if I could just like uh, take a look at this a bit more from, you know, looking at the whole forest of this idea, if, if I may. Uh, I see what you're doing, because look, uh, we're looking at the forest. Oh, I see oh, what wait, you did there. Wait, yeah, I, I can figure <laughs> out how to get up. Okay. <laughs> um, no, but because here's the thing, you know, listen, traditionally, whether, you know, during the industrial revolution and change and all, okay, I know Henry Ford was like a, uh, what do they call it, a maverick, where he actually put out what he was going to pay his employees and things like that. But traditionally, you know, in business, you know, my earliest uh, knowledge of business, you know, I was born in the late 50s. So, you know, in the 60s, madmen, um, you know, uh, attorneys, law firms, uh, professors, and you know any large business, it was always no one would really look at the salary runs. It was only the controllers or like the CFO at companies would have an idea what everyone else was making. Um, at least, and I'll, I'll 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 put out this firm. My experience related to this was first job out of school was Citibank, and so we were in an area where there was a, a controller who actually had runs of everyone in that region. But it was almost you know, forbidden or verboten to look at that. I think by employees not knowing what other employees make does eliminate a lot of contentious issues and problems and fights and people leaving and things. So, you know, it, weigh the pros and cons. Is this really going to uh, get women up to par with, with men in salaries, these laws? Um, because it, it to me, it's possible this could create a lot more problems, contentious issues, frustrations, and lawsuits uh, than if the law just as a whole in itself didn't come into play. Maybe there's a different way of doing this. I think it's important to hold these companies accountable. It's not, it's not enough to just post on International Women's Day that you support women. So if it makes the companies uncomfortable, like I don't, I don't really care about that. I want to see action after all of this, like pandering to like women and, and like diversity candidates. 
But, but the only thing is I'm saying it's going to make the employees of the companies uncomfortable. I'll, t- I'll tell you who will be comfortable. They should is, be outraged. Is, well, it, no, no. But in other words, if we, you know, we all start new jobs at, um, you know, Macy's, let's say we're all retail people, right? You know, a couple of hundred employees or more. Um, and I'll tell you who would be comfortable and like this new salary rule would be, you know, the earners that are in the top 10% of salaries. But everybody else is going to be, you know, kind of, you know, like uh, uh, working under duress or feeling like they're not getting their worth because they're getting paid 50 average pay, 50% of the top, or they're at the, the, the 25% bottom of the entire scale of pay. So, you know, I, I think that's going to be a lot of, you know, unhappiness and, and could create yeah, but some- But Mike, effect. I think you, but what I'm, what, I, what I'm hearing is this. Yeah. But- you, then you have disclosure. So is it a better just to know? So then you can make an informed decision. So even if you're unhappy, let's say, you know, a person is making significantly more than I am. Right. Yeah, I, I'll probably be bummed and upset when I first find that out, particularly if let's say I feel I'm as good, if not better than that person. And I'm my, you know, like my production was better. But then the second thing we do is like, oh, all right, now I learned I've been, you know, shortchanged and I now have the data that I could point to and make a case why I should get more. And in a hot job market, fortunately, if a person feels that they're getting kind of ripped off, their job's open. Now, if that happened two years ago, right at the beginning of the pandemic, it was harder. You wouldn't have a lot of jobs. So you're stuck here. You have options. So isn't it worth getting a little, like having a little bit of, and I'm not, I'm not saying one way or the other, I'm just throwing it out there. Isn't it better sometimes to have maybe that initial feeling of like, you know, oh my goodness, I'm getting, you know, cheated or this is unfair, but at least your eyes are open and you know what's going on. And now you could be an informed person because you you understand what the comp levels are what the salary bands are what people are being offered so it's you're no longer in the dark having that information would allow for point, you yeah. to advocate for yourself i agree yeah yeah and, i mean and, and, I, and I agree with you mike it, it would definitely lead probably to some very uncomfortable conversations between bosses and workers and workers with each other because here's here's another wild card too I can tell you this with great certainty from, and I don't mean to make everybody dizzy as I'm doing this. I'm kind of playing around to see how this all works in the metaverse. So I figured this way you can kind of check everything out here because it's kind of, it's so different and new and interesting and weird and trippy. So, but I found out over the years, what happens is this. Sometimes, oftentimes people have, don't, how can I put this? They think much more of their abilities than maybe they really have. So that a person may feel, yeah, let's say they'll say, hey, Jack, I know that Tom got a new job and he's making a hundred, he's an idiot. I'm so much smarter, better than him. So if he's getting a hundred, I want 150. And meanwhile, the guy who wants 150, is not so good. <laughs> he, he thinks he is, but not so much. So then you fill that wild card in too, where people may have this, we all like think about it, whether how you feel you look, 
how you how you feel you are in a certain sport, how you do at work. But, you know, some people downplay and don't feel like you have imposter syndrome and don't really feel that they could do it. Others feel that they're great and they're, and they're wonderful, but they're not. So does that factor in too? What do you think? Maybe there needs to be like a better way to just quantify experience yes. and, and pay. So, you know, it is with certain areas, like let's take compliance as we were talking about, as opposed to like sales or trading, like sales, you could say, Hey, here's my quota. I keep beating the quota. My, my sales is higher than everyone else. I should get more money. And then, well, okay. that kind of makes sense. If let's say you're a trader on wall street and you're making more of a profit without taking on much more risk, well, then you say, Hey, I should get, you know, bigger bonus. But when you have jobs like, let's say, human resources or compliance, where it's hard to quantify because you're not, you're not bringing in any revenue per se. So then the metrics are harder and it's you know, tougher to, <laughs> I see Mike, you're dancing in the background. So it's harder to kind of judge. I mean, what do you, what do you think, Chrissy? Any, any ways that you think it, it could even this out or smooth this out? I, I don't, it, it's interesting. I don't know where we'll go from here. I don't yeah. know how the voting will work um, once now that these um, changes have been made. Um, yeah, I don't, hopefully there'll be like public outrage. Maybe people will change their minds, but I don't see it going that way. I think um, New York City wants to be seen as, you know, very business friendly. So I think that they're just gonna yield to the businesses. I think you're right, because the bottom line is what happened is the other day, so I wrote about for Forbes about the salary transparency law maybe a couple months ago, and it got some attention. I thought it'd get way more attention, not just my article, but you know other articles, other people talking about as well, that would get much more attention. And it did, but not to the extent where I thought it was, because it's such a, such a big game changer. Then I saw on Twitter, somebody posted about how the council people are kind of saying, wait, let's rethink this. And I thought, hey, this would make a good follow-up piece. And then when I started looking to read more about it, there were crickets chirping. There really wasn't a whole lot. So yeah, Christine, I wonder if it's this one of these things where you know, the new mayor Adams, which I think is doing a lot of good things to promote New York and to make it better and, and, and to try to kind of try it's hard to 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 to, you know to deal with all the crime that's going on and make it safer for people to come back in and like you were saying you now have to compete with places like miami's trying to make a crypto hub silicon valley that's getting all these fintech companies and other all these cool startups so i I, you know adams is trying to do stuff but i wonder if part of it and he's also behind the push to get all these big banks to make people come back to the office because his thoughts are this. And it's one of these weird things because on one level, you can respect what he's doing. So, so Mayor Adams is trying to bring people back or tell companies like Goldman and Morgan and all these big banks to bring people back to the office because if they don't, most of the people are commuters. So they'll come in from New Jersey, they'll come in from Long Island, from Westchester, from the suburbs of Connecticut and come in. And when they come into work, what do they do? They buy breakfast, they buy lunch, They'll go out for dinner. They'll go out for drinks. You know, they'll get their nails done. They'll get a haircut. You know, they'll go to a store and buy something. So this whole ecosystem that's built around the commuters is huge. 
And if people don't come back, then it's a ghost town. Then you're not going to have all these people coming into the city. So then the small mom and pop shops, the nail salons, the barbers, the restaurants, the pizza places, you name it, you got to worry about them all closing down. And with less people, the statistics were showing that during the pandemic, there were times where things were really ugly and violent and dangerous in Manhattan. So then there's a fear of that happening again. So, right. So it's a weird thing, right? Cause see, it's like on one hand, yeah, you, I guess you have to support the business and to get people back. But the other hand, you don't want people to be cheated and ripped off for their, you know, for what they're doing for a living. Yeah, because it might it might cause like New York City workers to look out of state or to, you know, we saw a mass exodus during the pandemic and what's to stop people from continuing to move out of New York City. It doesn't matter if the businesses are there. Is that where the people will be? It may be where like, you know, you, you hear so much where people say so many studies, hey, if you make me go back, you know, five days, I'm going to quit. And even with I think with Goldman, you know, when they tried to get people back, they only got like half coming back. And even that half were complaining that they didn't want to do it. They did it begrudgingly. But with that remote work kind of out, I wonder then, does that give people reason to say, hey, wait a minute, there's no salary disclosures. And, but if there's remote work, I can kind of opt out of this whole thing. Let me just work remotely and do my own thing and pay me what I'm worth. And I just don't want to go into the office because I don't think that's fair. You don't give salary transparency, so I'm not sure if I'm being paid well. So at the very least, let, let me go outside and, and, and work remotely. I don't think this is uh, like this is just a one or two location. I think this is like going to be a national issue. Uh, it, it, it could eventually raise workers' pay overall. So, yeah. Do you think, Unadi, this will be kind of something where you find, we're finding out with Amazon having that union vote in Staten Island, Starbucks in New York City, their flagship, uh, voted for a union. In Buffalo, they voted for a union. In Arizona, Starbucks voted for a union. Do you think this is kind of like maybe some where this might get some steam? Yeah, and... it looks like, uh, of course. Yeah. yeah because like it, it's going to affect a lot of cities, yes, for sure, and a lot of companies. Yeah. You know, it might be interesting. Um to see to do a, a kind of a case study to see what problems are created by this uh, and what i'm getting at is this i know the sec uh has their salaries available to the public for all titles and all grades so it's public information i wonder if there's any rumblings internally within the sec you know what kind of problems maybe are caused or what is alleviated and why it works better someone could do some research, you know, if the SEC would be open for that. And that could possibly be a good thing to learn before, you know, this, all, all the nuances of this law uh, get signed off on. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. There are, there, oh, sorry, Jackie. No, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say there, there are seven states that currently have like these salary protections or ones very similar. I don't think New York is special in that there's California, Colorado, Nevada, Connecticut, Washington, Maryland, and I think Rhode Island will be joining them in 2023. And there are two other states um, in consideration for the same salary protection. So I don't think New York is like special where it would warrant like its own case study. I think uh, mm -hmm. I think it's it's 
you just have to, I think they're drawing a line in the sand, whether they're pro-business or pro-worker. And unfortunately right now they're just looking very um, pro-business and not really advocating for workers. Okay, and I think my, maybe the difference is like with the SEC Ooh. is they're, you know, civil servants. So it's a little okay. different because it's based on, okay, your grade level, well, you know, three, I'm making, I don't know what they are there. You know, your grade level five, you're this. Mm -hmm. So it's very set in stone. So even if you're like a rock star, mm -hmm. it's, you know, you're at that level. Now, maybe you get promoted, but you get that level. So it's like more standardized, if that makes sense. And as opposed to another kind of, you know, more of a private sector where there's more fluidity and more flexibility. See, yeah. yeah. I, I wonder if um, the, these rules, when they go into effect, might actually force the system to have less flexibility. Meaning, you know, if there's lots of different disparities, you know, and, and so there aren't, you know, like uh, hockey game fights every day and, you know, in the big office of the lunchroom. Um, perhaps, you know, there will be more just standard jobs. You know, I, I wonder if that's a goal. That, I mean, I could see over time, eventually that would be happening because, you know, if you have um, 50, you, ha you have a, a, a regional bank that has, you know, say 15 branches. And if the, uh, you know, what do, I don't know too many uh, standard roles, but like, you know, you've got customer service floor people people opening new accounts, uh, you've got bank tellers, okay? So if there's big disparities in those, wouldn't it make sense um, to help retain the employees that ideally all of the tellers would earn the same money eventually? I mean, and, and then of course you could have a, a junior teller or a senior or a head teller. Now there you would have some, uh, you know, more, dis more differences in salary. But, was it Coinbase that's doing that? Where like all new employees, they kind of brought them in at the same salary. That sounds sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it, Mike's onto something there, and I, I would just like to point: it's not a question as to whether these um, disparities exist; they do exist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and when we're saying disparities, are are you, we, we are speaking, I guess, specifically for um, you know women and minorities versus white people? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, because certainly there are disparities disparities in in white people's salaries, but maybe that's equated when bonus time comes. You know, in other words, if you're working, you know. Uh, 10 white guys are doing a function, you know, and, you know, three of them are slackers, you know, three of them get the job done and the other four are like, excellent, go above and beyond. Now, to me, it would warrant that those that do the extra work should get paid more. Don't you agree? Yeah. And these, these, the salary transparency doesn't only protect um, like women or minority workers, it, it'll protect everyone because then everyone will be able will be um, informed with the data on whether or not they're getting paid a fair price. Um, companies for so long have gone away with not paying people what the jobs are worth. So now everyone will be armed with that knowledge to advocate for themselves. But can I ask you a question that, that I truly don't understand? Mm -hmm. And I don't mean to be naive. So 
if there's a pay gap between, let's say, women and men, mm-hmm. and let's say it's a large one, wouldn't because of capitalism that close up on its own? Because let's take your JP Morgan and you want to find the best and the brightest. And if there's a woman who's doing it, you're going to, and the woman is paying whatever, you know, they're paying whatever, you would pay what it takes to bring that person in because she's going to be the best at what she does. So that'll make the company better and make the company more profitable. That's so, in a perfect world. <laughs> the, but, but you think that they- that's what they would do, but they're not because women and minority workers and just people in general, even with like the salary history, people are shackled to like the 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 pay range that they're currently in. And then with these transparency laws, it'll help to like um, boost their pay because people are shackled to what they're currently being paid and stay within that range. And if you're already at a disadvantage, you will always be at a disadvantage unless there's transparency. See, that's why I think if, if that law comes to place, it kind of levels the playing field and it makes it harder for people to justify if you know they're doing the same work, why one is getting more than less. Exactly. And that's why it's really, I don't say surprising because we talked it through and kind of now we kind of maybe understand why it is, but it is still, we think at least somebody on, on that council would say, wait a minute, I'm not going to just go along with this. I'm going to rock the boat and say, we got to, we got to change it. We got to bring it back to what that law was supposed to be mm-hmm. because that person will stand out. Cause right now I don't know any of the names of those people on that, the council members, but if the one who says, wait a minute, I'm not going along with this. We got we to gotta make sure that we do it fairly. That person would probably be a star. Yeah. And, but people only ever speak out that way if they have like political aspirations. Yeah. That's when you start seeing people build their like profile. And right. That would be them. right. We should tell, we should call them up and say, listen, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to really rise within the political ranks, this is a good issue, mm-hmm. you know, to stand on because who wouldn't support you as a candidate to say, hey, we want to make things fairer for you and make sure you're not getting cheated in terms of your, your, your salary and your wages? Unless it's like the, the companies that are the ones donating to these political <laughs> campaigns. So I think you hit it. Yeah. I think on that note, we might we'll, we'll wrap it up because I think that's really what it boils down to is like, you know, they'll say, hey, you like this council person, right? This is good because uh, we just contribute a lot. I'm going to contribute more to your campaign. So you're, you're aboard with us, right? Uh, yeah, I guess so. So I think okay. that might be it. Yeah, you know, but before, if we're getting ready to wrap up, one thing I just uh, wanted to throw out, you know, a few years back, New York, I think it was uh, October, 2017. Uh, remember the first big change was companies aren't allowed to ask prospective new employees their salary history, what they're currently earning or their past. Now, if I understood the meaning of that, the purpose of that was also to do the same thing, to get equal pay and parity. I guess it didn't work, right? Because now, you know, we're, we're, we're discussing this newer, uh, you know, I guess with more data uh, type of, of pay disclosure. Any thoughts? I mean, do you, do you think that didn't work in, in the way it was supposed to? I think it helps. I don't think it's that it didn't work. I think it's building blocks and then there needs to be certain like laws in place to just to help with like the big picture. 
Uh, I see. Good point, Kristen. Good. All right. So what we'll do is we'll keep, you know, we'll, we'll stay on top of this topic and keep you posted to see how it plays out. And uh, if, you know, thank you for watching. If you have any topics or that you, you're, you're interested in, if you want to see Mike Teller dance a lot, that's cool. <laughs> if, you enjoyed, if you enjoyed this metaverse as compared to some of the other metaverses we were trying out, let us know. Because uh, the whole ethos of what we're trying to do here, and it's, we're looking to do every day 12 or 1 o'clock, depending on if we have guests, what time they're available, to really talk about how to be happy in the workplace, how to be motivated, how, how to be, you know, do well. And then also about the future of work, where things are going. So you can position yourself to do well as things are changing. We've all seen it, that things are really accelerating at, at an unprecedented rate to put two cliches together that, that are cringy, but it's true. Things are changing so fast that you know, we want to kind of bring to your attention different things that are happening. So you can say, wait a minute, here's how I can move my career. Here's the kind of sector I can go get a new job in. I can reinvent myself. I could pivot, I could upskill, I could take some courses to learn something new. So the whole goal is to help people with their, with their careers, with their jobs, advance and move forward and stay relevant. So and th issues like this are important so you know what's happening. Um, thank you very much for watching. Chris, Unadi, Mike, any, any last parting words? I just like would like to add that, you know, we can't fear having these uncomfortable conversations. I think change is only born out of uncomfortable mm -hmm. conversations and conversations about salaries becoming less taboo and it, it will only serve to empower job seekers and employees to advocate for themselves. And we need to hold companies accountable. I think if you aren't angry, you aren't paying attention. <laughs> That's gonna be hard to top. I don't know, Mike. <laughs> well, well. Uh, I'm curious. What one thing we could just take a poll with all of our all of our guests here in the metaverse today. Um, uh, we can go around the room. Are you comfortable or uncomfortable having everyone else in the room know what you're earning, Jack? Well, right now um, I've been losing a lot of money, so I'm comfortable <laughs> okay. saying that. Unfortunately, <laughs> both in the stock market and everything. So. Uh, I don't know why uh, I'm laughing at that, but I guess sometimes, you know, it is, you know, things go up, things go down, what have you, yeah. you got to roll with it. <laughs> Laughter breaks up the tension. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and now I feel bad. I don't want to ask anyone else, but I'll, I'll give you my thought. Um, you know what? It could be either. I mean, if you're a huge earner, I'd be uncomfortable because then everyone would hate you and, you know, look to like, you know, cut your feet from under, you cut your legs from under your body, you know, perhaps, I mean, listen, you know, business is, is rough and it's, you know, some degree of a business war and it's competitive. Uh, if I was earning, you know, uh, uh, $5 an hour and, uh, you know, I would certainly be uncomfortable letting people know that too. So, you know, that's it's tough, the, right? So it's tough to bring it up because you don't want to be in that awkward position where, right. you know, you're among people and then you may either you make more than them and then you feel like, oh no, I don't want to hurt your feelings. And then or if you're making much less, like, I don't want to kind of say it because I'm embarrassed. So it's these, like, it's Chris said, it's uncomfortable conversations. Um, and, but I think they're going to start happening. I think if we're, we're in an era of change and a lot of the new norms, as we've seen, have been thrown out the window. And it's, it's really, things are so different than just from when it was 2019. So it's, it's And that's one of the fun things about doing this podcast and these LinkedIn lives is that we get to talk about these things and just, just 
it's very rare where you could talk openly about things without kind of yelling and screaming at each other and, you know, name calling. Because think about everywhere else, whether it's cable news or whether it's online, yeah, there's no civil discourse. So it's really cool that we can kind of talk about different subjects in an intelligent, articulate way. You know, agree at times, disagree at times, have different viewpoints. But I think the end result is we're trying to help, you know, the viewers, the listeners kind of know what's happening and share what we know. And, uh, and so thanks again for, for watching and we'll uh, see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. <laughs> you, you like waving. <laughs> You've mastered that. Okay. Take care, everyone.